0: Anger management. There are some, say the Talmud, who acquire their world in an hour and others who lose it in an hour. No example of the latter is more arresting and bewildering than the famous episode in this week's Parsha. The people have asked for water. God tells Moses to take a staff and speak to the rock and water will appear. And then we read this. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Shimunah Marim, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I will give him. give them. Zutara chorah said the rabbis, is this the Torah and this is reward? What was Moses' sin that it merited such punishment? In previous years I've expressed my view that Moses didn't sin nor was he punished. It was simply that each generation needs its own leaders. Moses was the right, indeed the only leader, capable of taking the Israelites out of Egypt. It needed another kind of leader and a different kind of leadership to take the next generation into the promised land. But this year, looking at the ethics of the Bible, it seemed more appropriate to look at a different explanation, this time given by Maimonides in the shmone Prakim, the eight chapters that are the preface to his commentary to the Mishnah Tractate Avot, the ethics of the fathers. In the course of these chapters, Maimonides sets out a surprisingly contemporary account of Judaism as a training in emotional intelligence. Healthy emotions are essential to a good and happy life, but temperament is not something we choose. Some people just happen to be more patient or calm or generous-spirited or optimistic than others. Emotions were once called passions, a word that comes from the same root as passive, implying that they are feelings that happen to us rather than reactions we choose to have. Despite this, Maimonides believed that with sufficient training we could overcome our destructive emotions and reconfigure our affective life. In general, Maimonides, like Aristotle, believed that emotional intelligence consists in striking a balance between too much and too little. Too much fear makes me a coward. Too little fear makes me rash and foolhardy, taking unnecessary risks. The middle way is courage. However, there are two exceptions, says the Rumba, about which we must not choose the middle way, and they are pride and anger. Even a little pride is too much. Likewise, even a little anger is wrong. And that, says Maimonides, is why Moses was punished, because he lost his temper with the people when he said, listen, you rebels. To be sure, there were other occasions on which he lost his temper, or at least looked as if he had. His reaction to the sin of the golden calf, when he smashed the tablets, was hardly relaxed. But that case was different. The Israelites had committed a sin. God himself was threatening to destroy the people. Moses had to act decisively and with sufficient force to restore order to a people wildly out of control. Here, though, the people had not sinned. They were just thirsty. They needed water. God wasn't angry with them. Moses' intemperate action was therefore wrong, says Maimonides. To be sure, anger is something to which we're all prone. But Moses was a leader, and a leader must be a role model. That is why Moses was punished so heavily, for a failure that might have been more lightly punished in someone less exalted. What's more, says Maimonides, by losing his temper, Moses failed to respect the people and might indeed have demoralized them. Knowing that Moses was God's emissary, the people might have concluded that if Moses was angry with them, so too was God. Yet all they'd done was ask for water. Giving the people the impression that God was angry with them was a failure to sanctify God's name. Thus, one moment's anger was sufficient to deprive Moses of the reward, surely most precious to him, of seeing the culmination of his work by leading the people across the Jordan into the Promised Land. The sages were outspoken in their critique of anger. They would thoroughly have approved of the modern concept of anger management. They didn't like anger at all, and they reserved some of their sharpest language to describe it. They said the life of those who can't control their anger is not a life. Ray Lakish said, when somebody becomes angry, if he is a sage, his wisdom departs from him. If he is a prophet, his prophecy leaves him. Maimonides said that when somebody becomes angry, it's as if he has become an idolater. What's dangerous about anger is that it causes us to lose control. It activates the most primitive part of the human brain that bypasses the neural circuitry we use when we reflect and choose on rational grounds. While in its grip, we lose the ability to step back and judge the possible consequences of our actions. The result is that in a moment of irascibility we can do or say things we may regret for the rest of our lives. For that reason, Maimonides rules there is no middle way when it comes to anger. Instead, we have to avoid it under any circumstance. We have to go to the opposite extreme. In fact, even when anger is justified, we must avoid it. There may be times when it's necessary to look as if we're angry. That's what Moses did when he saw the Israelites worshiping the golden calf and broke the tablets of stone. Yet even then, says My Maimonides, inwardly you should be calm. The Orchot Zadikim, a fifteenth-century work, notes that anger destroys personal relationships short-tempered people scare others who therefore avoid coming close to them. Anger drives out the positive emotions, forgiveness, compassion, empathy and sensitivity. The result is that irascible people end up lonely, shunned and disappointed. Bad-tempered people, says the Talmud, achieve nothing but their bad temper. They lose all else. The classic role of patience in the face of provocation, was exemplified by Hillel. The Talmud tells a wonderful story about Hillel. It says that two people once made a bet with each other, saying whoever makes Hillel angry shall receive 400 zuz," which actually was quite a lot of money in those days. One said, I'll go and provoke him. It was Erev Shabbat, and Hillel was washing his hair. The man stood by the door of his house and called, Is Hillel here? Is Hillel here? Hillel got dressed and came out and said, My son, what do you seek? I have a question to ask, he said. Ask, my son, said Hillel. He said, Why are the heads of Babylonians round? Instead of getting angry, Hillel said, My son, you ask a good question. The reason is they have no skilled midwives. The man left, paused, then returned, crying out, Is Hillel here? Is Hillel here? Again Hillel dressed himself and came out and said, My son, what do you seek? I have another question. Ask, my son. Why are the eyes of the Palmyrians bleared? Hillel replied, My son, you ask a good question. The reason is that they live in sandy places. He left, then waited Then came back a third time, saying, "'Is Hillel here? Is Hillel here?' For a third time, Hillel got dressed and came out and said, "'My son, what do you seek?' "'I have another question,' asked my son. "'Why do Africans have such wide feet?' "'My son, you ask a good question,' said Hillel. "'The reason is they live in watery marshes. "'Their wide feet prevent them from sinking down into the ground.' "'I have many questions to ask,' said the man, "'but I'm afraid that you might get angry.' "'Hillel?' sat and said, ask all the questions you have to ask. The man said, are you Hillel, the man they call Nasi, the leader of Israel? Yes, said Hillel. In that case, said the man, may there not be many like you in Israel. Why so, my son, asked Hillel, because through you I've just lost 400 zuz. Be careful of your mood, said Hillel. You may lose 400 zoos and yet another 400 zoos through Hillel. Yet Hillel will still not lose his temper. It was this quality of patience under provocation that was one of the factors, according to the Talmud, that led the sages to rule according to the school of Hillel, rather than that of Shammai. The best way of defeating anger is to pause, stop, reflect, refrain, count to ten, and breathe deeply. If necessary, leave the room, go for a walk, meditate, or vent your toxic feelings alone. It's said about one of the Rebbe of Lubavitch that whenever he felt angry, he'd take down the Shulchan Aruch to see whether anger was permitted under the circumstances. And by the time he'd finished studying, his anger had disappeared. The verdict of Judaism is simple. Either we defeat anger, or anger will defeat us.